Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. We're concluding our series today uh, entitled RE. Uh, we've been um, challenging ourselves through uh, various scriptures on how we should be looking at the new year. We talked in week one about the power of moments and how God has designed us and how God has equipped us to live our lives in a way that brings glory to him. And then in week two, we talked about remembering, uh, remembering, uh, remembering the things that God has done, remembering where God has brought us from. And then last week, we uh, entitled the message, Reimagine, where we saw through uh, uh, Joseph's dreams that God has to sometimes uh, allow us to go through various trials and tribulations uh, even when we're waiting on and trying to anticipate what God is doing. And so today we're going to conclude the series with a message entitled Restart. Restart. Um, I don't know about y'all, but this is the greatest invention to a 10-year-old. 1985, it fell on the scene. I was, I was, I was, I was 10 years old. Uh, it, it was actually invented in 1983, but they got a little earlier in Japan because in 1985, it hit the American shores, and I did not have one. But I had friends who had one. Anybody remember the first NES that had the robot, the little robot with the thing, with the gyroscope on it, and you thought it was really doing something, and you paid all that money for that? See, I, I missed that phase. I got the second round of uh, Nintendos. And so this was the greatest invention to me, but not because of the console. It was because, like, did, did, did anybody remember up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, start? Like, I got all the, like, I ain't got to go to the arcade no more, right? I don't have to lose no quarters. I don't have to go all the way down to the drag. Anybody used to go to the arcade down on the drag? You got to, first, you got to take two quarters to get down there, because you got to catch the bus, get the transfer, get down there. You play You play your little $5 worth of games, and then, like, that go in, like, an hour, then you, and so when Nintendo came on the scene, like, I had hours to spend, hours to spend on this game. My mommy said, you're going to rot your brain. I'm like, no, I'm not. This is awesome, right? And so I wasn't doing homework. I wasn't doing stuff because, I, because it, who didn't have a Nintendo? Like, anybody didn't have a Nintendo? Okay, poor baby. You, you're a millennial. You wouldn't know nothing about that. And so anyway, like, like and Brad, you older than dirt, so don't worry about that. And so anyway, you would buy these games and you would go on missions, right? And they would use missions. And then like, it was a school night and your mama's like, listen, you got 45 more minutes on that game. Right. And the whole time you're trying to figure out how to get to the next level. You're trying to figure out how to level up. And you just ain't like it's, it's, it's like it's challenging to you and you got to figure stuff out. But then the greatest invention on the Nintendo for me, when it was time, like your mom was like, it's time to go to bed was this thing right here. The reset button. Why was this so great? Because certain games, they didn't save the data like now. You're like, you're playing right now in real time. It's in the cloud. Like, you can't lie to the game no more. But back then, you went, boop, and it's like it never happened. I get to start all over. Boop. Brand new. And then if I knew up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, start, I got infinite lives too. So you play different when you have infinite lives than you do when it's your last life. Harking back to the arcade games, you playing Miss Pac-Man, and like you, you playing around when you got two and three lives left. But you got that last life, you got to go all in. It's your last quarter, too?
the reset button. The reset button was the greatest invention of all time. Sometimes we would jack leg the reset button. We playing Super Tech Mobile, and my brother beat me by two touchdowns. You trip over the thing to make the <laughs> hard reset. That's called power button, right? Y'all like pastor. You just tell these weirdest stories before your sermons, but I just want to give us an illustration of what God has given us as believers. And so, if you look in your Bibles, the Second Corinthians chapter five. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God admonishes us through the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, I love the fact that we have chapters and verses in the Bible. Great invention. But there's one thing that we have to understand. Chapters and verses are not inspired. Chapters and verses are not inspired. They are there to help us navigate long books. They are there to give us snapshots in time. And so this great invention also is a shortcoming sometimes for many Christians. Because we'll think that 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is all we need to know, and so we don't read nothing else in that chapter. It's like watching a movie with just a snapshot. Or it's like now when you look on on, on, on social media or, or, or on YouTube or things like that, people will take a, a snippet of time and then they will create a narrative around that based upon what they want to say. And so because of that, y'all know that we talk around here, when we see the therefore, we back up to see what the therefore is there for. When we see a therefore, we have to back up to see what the therefore is there for. And in this sentence alone, we see all of these conditional phrases. Now, I'm not no English teacher, but hey, I'm going to try. Okay, so if and in are conditional phrases. Therefore, if, if, as a programmer, we wrote if statements. If this, then that. If that, then this. A lot of programs are made up of these if and then statements. That's the way that we create artificial intelligence or, or, or the appearance of intelligence. If you're getting all these scenarios and if this happens, then you do this. And if this happens, once you're doing this, then do this. And so we see here it says, therefore, if... Anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. God has not recreated the world, and sometimes we act like he has. We are new creations because we're in Christ, but everybody else ain't new creations. I know it sounds elitist. I know you Christians, you're always talking about this kind of stuff. Listen, we're going to get into the gospel in a minute. Adam and Eve, the fall, the world is broken. We still show remnants of the brokenness in our lives, but we are new in Christ. And so as we begin to restart, y'all seeing where my contra files in? Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. VA starts. God has given us an opportunity to restart. But he didn't give us an opportunity to restart just so that we can see the opening screen again. Just so we can brag to our friends that I have a Nintendo. But he give us, given us the ability to reset, to restart, because he has placed us on mission. And as Christians, sometimes we forget that we are on mission. I didn't forget I was on a mission when I had 45 minutes left. And I had to level up because Bobby was at school, and Bobby was on level 50, and I was on level 49. And when I showed up at school, I was going to tell Bobby, Bobby, check it out, bro. I'm on level 51 now. 
But oftentimes we act like God has given us this reset, like God has created us to be new just because he likes us so. Like God just really wants to just hang out with us. Like we've made this personalized Christianity where God just likes kicking it with us. And that's true to a certain degree. But he's given us this new start so that we can do something. So we're going to back up from the therefore to see what the therefore is there for. And as we do that, we realize that I'm going to save us a little bit of time. When we go back to verse uh, uh, 14 or 16 from 17, we see another therefore. So we got to bag up a little bit more. And then we see a little bit more. We go to verse 14. There's another therefore. And so we got to bag up a little bit more. And then we go to verse 11. And there's another therefore, and we got to bag up a little more. And then we end up at the beginning of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, and there's a 4. And so we're going to go through the whole chapter this morning. Remember, chapters aren't inspired, but we're going to go through this whole thought. Whenever you're reading your Bible, read your Bible in context. What that means is what is surrounding it. Because if you read your Bible out of context, you set yourself up to just create pretext. You set yourself up to just think what you want to think about that moment. Anybody used to watch around the same time? Anybody used to watch Three's Company? Come and knock on our door. They create whole seasons around misunderstanding based on a snapshot, a moment in time. They will go, oh, Chrissy's cheating with you. And then a whole episode, and we watch, and we watch it every week. Mr. Furley would come in, and he would think something happened that really didn't happen. And then a whole episode was based upon this misunderstanding. And so we don't want three's company when we check out our Bible. We want to know what God was saying because we want to know what God was saying so that we can understand what God wants us to do with the information that he's given us. It's not about information. It's about transformation. And so with that being said, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. And you're saying, well, Sean, you just talked about the therefore, if you back up, what's the for for? And so what he was basically talking about was that the things that are seen in the earlier chapter, the things that are seen are secondary to the things that are unseen. The things that are unseen are eternal. The things that are seen, he says, are transient. These things are just going to pass. And so why are we spending all of our time worrying about the things that are just going to pass with time? Why are you sitting there worrying about your life, which is just like a vapor? You should be worrying about your eternity. You should be worrying about your purpose. And you can go check it out if you want to. Tell me if I'm wrong, and I'll, I'll correct myself later. Okay, so four is based upon that. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Basically, he just said God just gave us up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, be a start. When we go and be with him, we're going to live forever. We're going to live forever. Listen, eternal life is not only about the duration of your life. It's about the quality of your life. Because the eternal one, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Let me keep on reading. Four, in this tent we groan longing to be put, to put our heavenly dwelling, put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us 
for this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. He has given us the spirit as a down payment. He has given us his spirit to let us know that what he is saying is true. That's why sometimes you can be down in your body, body aching, inflamed joints, taking turmeric and all this kind of stuff. But on the inside, you can be happy. And I believe that the closer that real saints, the old saints, get closer to that morning, morning, that by and by, what the old folks used to say, they start realizing this. And Paul was realizing this because Paul had said he spends his life like a drink off. Paul understood the restart. He said, I'm spilling my life like a drink off and I'm pouring my life out so that when I stand before God, there won't be nothing left. Y'all got so excited about the Super Bowl, let me use a sports analogy. They say don't leave anything on the field. Because when that play is over, you can't get it back. When the clock, when the clock goes down to zero, 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 there is no do-overs. There is no going back and practicing. You have to be ready and put it all and lay it all out there. Now, don't raise your hands because I'm convicted myself, as I know you probably convicted. Most of us ain't living our lives like that. We're not living our lives to the fullest. We're living our lives holding on to this little piece of life that is transient. Well, you understand, I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to do this, and all of this, this is fading, it's transient, it's going to pass away. But there's an eternity with God that we need to be focused on. I lost my spot. Oh, that was it. Okay. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. That is one of the biggest challenges for many of us, that we walk by sight, not by faith. We talked about this last week when we told the story of Joseph. It didn't look like... Nothing was going to bow down to him. Tried to murder me, sold me into slavery, accused of rape, now rotting in this jail, and we see in the text that he had forgot his dream. Listen, time and circumstance, inertia, and the enemy all are coming at you to make you forget your dream, to make you forget what God has spoken to you. Going back to our football analogy, one side of the field ain't trying to just let you walk into the touchdown. There is opposition. Going back onto the Nintendo console, those turtles ain't going to let Mario just do what Mario want to do. And so we get opposition and we quit. We get opposition and we just want to lay down and say, well, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm going to go be with God in heaven. So, you know, I'm just going to I'm just going to chill. And some of you may be sitting in the room right now saying, what's wrong with that? You got the you got the ticket. You on the train. Why are you cleaning up around everything? Just sit down, chill, enjoy the ride. That's not what this walk is about. And we're going to see that. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. We're moving. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. We have a mission. We have a challenge. 
We have something to do. And it's not about trying to suppress or get over on people. But now it's about, let's say, no, you come along with me. We're going to go on this ride. Now you come along with me and we're going to be on this mission. And this mission, this mission is to let everybody know, everybody know that God is real and that he loves us and he cares for us. And that somewhere along the way, we've fallen short. Somewhere along the way, we make mistakes. But God can evaporate those mistakes. He can hit the reset button if you would just give your life to him. But we are, but what we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience. Paul is saying, listen, you understand some things about yourself. Y'all remember when we did the whole series on the church of Corinth? They were wilding out. And Paul was like, y'all wilding out. And y'all don't understand some things about yourself. Because when you're, when, when you're a child of God, you don't do certain things. I use this analogy all the time, and guess what? I'm going to use it again. When you're at the grocery store and your child is acting a plum fool, you say, no, 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 my child don't act like that in the grocery store. That's other people's kids. You walking by that kid in the freezer section, you just want to throw him in the freezer and just shut the door. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. Let him cool down. We don't really do that. That's a joke. Some of y'all we don't really do that to kids. We don't. But if you're a parent and your child has ever acted a plum fool in the grocery store, I've been there. Two-year-olds don't know how to act. I've left, ask my wife, I've left grocery carts. That's probably why I don't like the grocery store right now. I've left grocery carts in the middle of the aisle, took my child home. We ain't, we ain't, we ain't shopping today. We just ain't even shopping today. You done messed it up for everybody. And I'm not talking about a child just kind of, hey, you can just calm down. I'm not going to mention no names, but. One of my children, you know, just, ah, this child was, ah, just embarrassing. You're like, these people won't think I'm a, I ain't got no control. And really, I didn't have no control. And we down here wilding out, and God is like, in heaven, like God's not passing back and forth and drinking Maalox and all that, but we're making God look bad. Before the world that we're supposed to be ministering to and telling them about this God that we know and this God that we love and this God that we serve. And by the way, do y'all do, did anybody do their homework assignment, assignment a couple of weeks ago talking about sharing your story? Right? Someone see? See? That's the problem. We don't share our story because we don't want to share the story because it don't look right. That's like me telling you my dad is a billionaire and I pull up in my little prison. It got knots all in it. The AC don't really work. The belts are squeaking. And I'm, my dad is a billionaire. You're like, bro, come on, really? That don't match. That don't match. And God has given us a restart so that we can start a new and then start living our lives new today. And here's the thing. If he's giving you a restart, this is the thing. As long as there's time, you can hit that reset button again. Today's a new day. The Bible says his mercies are new daily. I know I'm talking to somebody. Since we're not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. And if we're in our right mind, it is for you. Basically, man, I act a fool for Jesus. How many of y'all are willing to act foolish, look foolish, behave foolishly? Well, what the world would call foolish for God. I ain't talking about, you know, crazy stuff. Listen, beep, 
in the podcast. I'm not talking about Westboro Baptist stuff that you just going and you just acting a fool. I'm not talking about that kind of fool. I'm not talking about the big picket signs and just, just I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you're willing to say, you know what, this might be humiliating, but I'm going to do it. Listen, I know this person wronged me. I did nothing wrong, but God is leading me to humble myself and go and ask this person for their forgiveness. If, if I may have did anything wrong to make you act the way that you're acting towards me or feel the way that you're feeling towards me, listen, I sincerely apologize. Some of y'all, y'all just, y'all, y'all tighten up when I said that. And I know you ain't going to do it with a stranger because you can't do it with the person who sleep next to you. Or the person you make sleep on the couch, you, you, either way it go. And we want to do these great things for God. We want to level up in God, and we can't even do the easy stuff. Humble myself. No, I will not. Because the minute I humble myself, what do we say? They're going to walk all over me. And Jesus said, if somebody takes your jacket, give me a shirt too. Want some shoes? Supposed to look like Jesus, y'all. All right, we're almost there. For the Lord of... <laughs> Hurry up! Hurry through this chapter! For the love of Christ, look at this, controls us. Some translation says compels us. Because I love Jesus, I do certain things. Because I don't want to offend my brother, because I understand that I look, because my understanding of who Christ is. The Bible says that if I offend my brother, I'm sinning against my brother, and then therefore I'm sinning against Christ. Jesus, you just, yeah, any any, any parents that of more than one child, and you take one of those children aside, look, niece, mm-hmm, and you take one of those children aside, Brandison that was here down, I don't know what that is. You take that child aside, and you're trying to correct that child, and, and y'all know this happened. You're trying to correct that child and tell them what they did wrong, and they're going, but, no, 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 I'm going to deal with him in a minute. Yeah. You don't always, no, you don't worry about what, I'm going to get him. I'm with you right now. He didn't make you do nothing. Yes, he did. He made me. How he make you? He was standing outside my door, so I punched him in the face. How did he make you punch him in the face? I told him not to stand outside my door. And if you parent like our parent, you ain't got no dough in this house. I pay every lamb bill up in here. The clothes on your back, my kids are laughing, the clothes on your back are because of me. You would be butt naked on the porch if it wasn't for me. You better recognize you ain't got no rights to be putting your hands on nobody because you ain't your own. You my child. When I'm about to be 18, well, you're going to get out when you're 18 because when you're 18 and a half, you still my child under my roof. Y'all laughing at me, but that's what God would say to us. Listen, she is not yours to be hating on. I know she act crazy sometimes, but she's blood-bought. She's my child. You ain't got a right. Expose myself. I used to get so mad at my wife. Maybe slam a door or two, go in the room, and God, that woman you gave me, you don't even understand. She crazy. And da-da-da. And the Lord just be sitting there, uh-huh, you through, you through, you through, you through, you through. She's my child. Well, what happened was, see, cause. You know you were scared to meet her daddy when you asked for a hand in marriage. Imagine meeting God about the way that you don't treat your spouse. And God said, you need to go in there and apologize.
Only reason I can share because I know some of y'all did it too. We have concluded this, that one has died for all. That is the gospel message. Paul said, because of all this, I came to the conclusion. You ever come to a conclusion? Like, you know what, Shay? Came to a conclusion. Paul said, I have concluded that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. Our problem is we don't act dead. We don't act like we're dead to our sins. I, I, I did. A, I eulogized my aunt a couple of weeks ago, and her body was sitting there in the casket. I, one thing I realized, you know, I just think differently. But if a fly were to land on her face, she wasn't gonna react to it. She's dead. Flies get us almost having wrecks. We drive down the street. And we dead people don't react to circumstances, situations. Things around them. God wants us to be numb and dead to the things that are detrimental to us. He wants us to be dead to sin. But the problem is sin is reigning in our mortal bodies. And I'm not talking about those big bad sins. Some of us might have big bad. I'm not talking about the big bad stuff. You know, the stuff that, you know, good Christians don't do. You know, play cards and wear pants and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the sins of the heart. I'm talking about rolling your eyes without rolling your eyes, but you roll your eyes in your mind. Jesus knows the heart. Move on, Sean. You got a lot to cover. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves. Uh Uh-oh. But for him who for their sake died and was raised. And so did I just read, Jesus said, we should not be living selfish lives. We should not be living for ourselves. God, you understand, I really want to go get that 15th degree. God, I understand that if I don't buy the car, it might, you know, not be so much tension in the house, but I'm in a midlife crisis right now. My wife has got to deal with that. God, I, I just need the bigger house. God, I need my kids to go to this school. And are we checking it through God? Are we living through God? Are we living for ourselves? And then when we get into a pickle, and y'all know some of y'all been in that pickle, it was a good idea when you did it, and then later it wasn't a good idea no more, and you're asking God to get you up out of that situation that God was like, you was living for yourself. And God is not a genie in a bottle. And so now we got to live with the consequences of what we made, the decision we made outside of God. I'm preaching. I don't know. You ain't going to say it, man. I'm good. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we were once regarded, when we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him as such no longer. Now we're at the therefore. Now, after all that, after we've gotten a slap shot, so we see what God is talking about. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And so for the remainder of the day, we want to say, what does that new creation look like? What does it look like to be a new creation? Well, 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 salvation happens at that moment. We believe at this church that that moment salvation happens. You aren't working for it. 
Yeah, you, you, you didn't have to do nothing, nothing spectacular for it. You ain't got to lean and pray in a certain way and pray in a certain language. You ain't got to do none of that. Salvation happens. It's a gift from God. You, get, you receive the gift of salvation. You are now new. Right? No one, now listen, listen. Y'all be asking me questions about theology, what we believe at the church about this. You listen, listen. We don't believe that you can lose that. We believe that you are guaranteed until the day of redemption. If you have questions about that, we can sit down and chop it up. And so, anyway, we believe that you're guaranteed there is no losing of it. But now we need to live on mission because the love of God compels us to do what he's called us to do. And so now that you're a new creation, do what new creations do. Lay hold of the newness of life and don't look at the old life and be worried about old stuff. Because like we saw a while ago, old stuff tears up. My Nintendo thing, it fell down. It's old. Been there four weeks. Your car breaks down. You got to get oil changes and maintenance and stuff like that. You got to go to the doctor once a year at least to get checked up because old stuff fades away. Stinking thinking, old ways of thinking have to be put behind us. And so initially what we do for salvation is merely repentance. And I believe that that's a gift as well. God gives us the gift of repentance. And repentance is not just saying, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. I'm sorry. Repentance means I am on the path. Proverbs 3. I'm on this path. Repentance says, I'm no longer going in that direction. I turn around and I'm going this way now. Well, this is God. I was moving away from God down this path. Now I start moving. God is not stagnant. God is on the path. God is moving forward. Jesus said, follow him. And so I am doing what God told me to do. So first off, we have been given a ministry of reconciliation. Since all of this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That sounds really cool. And I'm going to believe this. And th- I always get myself in trouble. I thin the herd a whole lot. Y'all know what that means, thin the herd. You say stuff and people are like, ah, I'm leaving this church. That pastor's crazy. I'm <laughs> just preaching the word. We've hijacked that word reconciliation in, our, in today's climate. We've hijacked that. We've made that something that I don't think that God really intended for that to be. We've been given a ministry to lead others to God. It's Godward. We try to reconcile people to our church. We try to reconcile people to our cause. And we just really create social clubs. But God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. It's not about your social agenda or the way that you believe the Bible. Because listen, here's the thing, y'all. There are some Christians out there who will believe different than you. They still going to be in heaven. And we up here dividing over how do you baptize? Mm, the word ain't say baptize like that. What's your worship service look like? It's dark in there. You know what's done in darkness is going to come to the light. 
I say, man, verses and chapters, sometimes it messes up. Y'all got a baptistry in your church? How you baptize folks? In the lake? That's not what we're reconciling people to. We're not reconciling people to our ideology. And there's so much things that we do in church right now that we don't realize we're doing it because somebody 100 years ago thought it was a cool thing to do, and they start doing it. Yeah. I don't understand why y'all got them TV screens in y'all church. Bring the devil in there. They said the same thing about stained glass windows. It's like the story. I'm going I'm to I'm close. I'm going to close. It's like the story of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the mama teaching her daughter how to cook a roast. I heard the story. You heard it. I'm, I'm going to tell it anyway. Yeah. So mama teaching her daughter how to cook a roast. Chop off the backside of the roast and put it in the pan. The daughter goes, why do you chop off the backside of the roast? She said, man, it may, I think it locks in the flavor. Let me call my sister. So she called the girl Amy. And Amy said, why? Well, it does. And she gave another scenario. Why? why, why? Said, man, that don't sound right either. So the little girl called grandma. Grandma, why? Why? When mom cooks the roast, she chops the butter. She don't know. She's talking about something about locking in flavor. That don't make no sense. Grandma say, well, um, I think it's because of this. But let me call my mama. Mama was, great-grandma was lucky enough to still be alive. Say, mama, why when we cook the roast, we chop the butter off? Now, this girl done heard 17 stories about this point. Great-grandma said, chocolate had a pan this big. <laughs> Darn roast wouldn't fit. So over time, we're adding all this stuff. We're doing all this stuff, and it just doesn't. It's just because somebody else. I'm serious. I get those questions all the time. Why we do this this way? I say, because somebody named, and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a historian. I couldn't find this dude in 1873 started doing this in the church, and that's why we do it now. It's not inspired. We can stop tomorrow, and God still loves us. But God has entrusted us with a message of reconciliation. And so we need to live on mission so that we can be examples of that message. We need to live like God is love if we want to tell other people that God is love. We need to live like we're forgiven if we want to be able to tell other people that God forgives them. We need to live like salt and light if we want to be able to share that there is salt and light. And you know, I believe, I believe one of the biggest problems in our nation right now, oh, he's getting political now. I believe that one of the biggest problems in our nation right now is Christians aren't living like Christians. We're not being salt and light. I'm not talking about legislation. I'm not talking about legislation because God's going to be sovereign no matter who's in the White House. Or who's on the Supreme Court? God's going to be sovereign. But, 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 what are we doing in those one-on-one relationships with the people that we encounter daily? Listen, as believers, we have been given a ministry of reconciliation. Not Northeast Community Church has been given a ministry of reconciliation. You know why? Uh, 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 because Northeast Community Church is made up of you, 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 and you. And so you individually have been given a ministry of reconciliation. What are you doing to share the gospel with people? What are you doing? And I'm not just talking about walking up on people and say, hey, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? That's creepy. Total strangers. We don't live in that culture no more. They be like, huh, man, who, man? 
just here trying to buy some corn chips and get some gas. Now here, if the Lord tells I don't want to get ahead of the Lord. The Lord tell you to do that to the guy with the corn chips getting the gas, do it. But we don't have to be spooky, spooky Christians. We don't. Just walking up just scaring people. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through who? You don't get no planning in that. I don't have to, listen, y'all can just read this. I'm just preaching because we have to feel a little time. He's making his appeal through us, through you. Through you. Are you living your life? Are you praying like, God, make your appeal through me today? God calls that person to come into my life today. And, and, and allow me to shine your glory before them. Listen, we are conduits of God's grace. His grace passes through us to others. And we're waiting for the church to put together a program, and the church is waiting for you to get on mission. We almost finished. I said, you said that two finishes ago. Paul says, listen, Paul is coming. Like, I love the, 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 the deeper you get into Paul's epistles, the more Paul's like, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to tell y'all. Paul's like, listen, I know where I'm going. Paul said, I would rather be where I'm going right now, but I'm here because of y'all. That's what Paul would say. He said, for me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. We don't talk like that no more, but let me paraphrase for you. Listen. Listen, I'm doing it because Jesus still has me here for y'all. But I'd rather go be with the Lord because that would be to a benefit to me. Because I know the Savior. I know the risen Savior. I know that he loves me, and I know I want to be with him. Many of us don't have that type of faith. God, I, I still got a couple of things I need to do. <laughs> you, know, I got, I, I got some, you know, I got some living to do, Lord. Like, I want to see my grandkids grow up. I, Paul was like, man, forget all that. I live my life like a drink offering poured out. And God, whatever you say, you are Lord of my life. I am on mission. I am a soldier. Any, I know we got a lot of military people in, in, in the house. I wish you would tell your commanding officer that you weren't going to do something. Look, at everybody in the military, they, they start shaking. <laughs> Stan was in the military seven, seven years ago. He's shaking right now. You tell your commanding officer, now. Not today. I'm not feeling it. Paul says, we implore you. We urge you on behalf of Christ. I'm not speaking for myself. I'm speaking for Jesus. I'm urging you. Get your life on mission. Be reconciled. To God. Allow him to hit the reset on your life. Allow him to see you the way that he sees Jesus. If you're here today and you haven't committed your heart, your life, your soul to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Listen, this is the best decision you'll ever make. And if you're sitting here today and you did that back in the day when you were some some years old. Listen, 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 listen. Hit the reset button yourself. Say, God, I repent. 
because I've lived my life selfishly, outside of your will, outside of your way, Jesus. Listen, I'm going to say this. And let me look at my clock. 38 minutes. I'm, see, I'm not that bad today. I'm, I'm closing. I really am. I'm closing. Y'all know I'm going on vacation, so I got to get it all out. I wish I could sit up in here and preach to y'all about prosperity, because I want some of that too. I wish I could preach those fluffy messages that didn't convict, that didn't challenge you to look at yourself in the mirror and say, God, why am I this way? Let me change. Let me shift. Let me draw closer to you. I wish I could. I just can't. Because it's that important that you live your life on mission. That you understand that you can't be caught up in civilian affairs because you're a soldier in the army of the Lord. All right, I'm close. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the gospel message. That is what we're on mission for. That other people can understand. Listen, I understand your shortcomings. I understand your challenges. I understand your pain. Listen, 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 listen. He who knew no sin became sin so that you can be in right standing with God, that you can be at the banquet table of God when your clock hits zero, 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 zero. And if we're doing anything else in this life that is not leading towards that, as believers, listen, we are on the wrong path. Now, I'm not saying that everybody needs to go into vocational ministry. But what I am saying is when you wake up in the morning, you're, just, you're, you're, you're not just a receptionist. You're not just a business owner. You're not just a chiropractor. You're not just a software engineer. You're not just a maintenance guy. You are on mission for God that day. And every day when you wake up, you are on assignment where God lets your feet land. Listen, church, we need to restart. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.